Well, welcome, everybody. It's great to see you guys this weekend. And uh, everybody at Montrose, thanks for joining together there and online. Uh, great to see you as well. And uh, just love that we get to be together. Um, well, uh, we're going to start a new series this weekend called uh, Breaking the Cycle. And uh, this series is, um, <clears throat> is something I've been excited to talk to you about. So uh, this weekend is going to be very, very much an introduction to this series. Uh, I'm going to lay out kind of why the series is and kind of some big ideas and some starting points that I think we have to like agree upon with each other in order to like maximize what I think God wants to teach us. I'm going to show you some things in the scripture. And then uh, next weekend, we're going to start really, really like digging at scripture and, and, and finding the, the truth and the direction that God wants us to have. Uh, but I want to kind of lay down a foundation and kind of have that conversation to introduce this uh, this weekend. So this is a series that I am very passionate about. Uh, I've been excited to uh, teach and to walk us through. We uh, thought this up months and months ago, and uh, I traveled a lot this summer, and so I kind of said to our team, I was like, actually, I want to teach that one, and I am kind of the boss around here, so uh, we're, if we could save that one, because I'm just so passionate about it. And I'm passionate that you find out uh, what God has for you and what God wants to do in your life through it. Um, the reason that I'm passionate about this idea that God can break cycles and I'm passionate to think that through with you. So, so think about like the painful cycles in your life, the frustrating cycles in your life, the sin cycles in your life, the addiction cycles in your life, just all of these cycles that drive us, that cause us to live ways we don't want to live, uh, cause us to interact with each other the ways that we don't want to interact with each other, all of these cycles. The reason that I'm passionate about walking these uh, through this conversation is because both Heidi and I, so my, my wife Heidi and I, both of us are children of cycle breakers. So both sides of our family, my mom and dad, were people who broke cycles. My dad would have grown up in deep, deep pain, abandonment, uh, uh, dysfunction, violence, anger. My mother would have grown up with violence. Alcoholism was rampant in, in her side of the family. Okay, that was mom and dad came together. Birds of a feather dysfunction together. They find each other, right? They found that. On Heidi's side of the family, her mother uh, would have grown up with a father who was an alcoholic and a lot, a lot of deep dysfunction. And then dad, or Heidi's dad, would have grown up with a lot of alcoholism, a lot of dysfunction in his family. And then they find each other. So that's Heidi's parents, my parents. Both of us would have parents who found Christ and who listened to and adopted and took in the word of God and broke cycles. So Heidi and I would have been raised with Christ-centered parents who helped us to become Christ-centered people. It's not that all of their dysfunction went away, right? So I don't usually talk negatively about things in, in my family publicly, but you can imagine like some of the things that the, the children coming from that background would have struggled with. But they made a commitment, they broke the cycle, so much so that it showed up in my life 
and in Heidi's life in ways that like we can't hardly to relate to what they, what they went through. What triggered that for mom and dad and mom and dad was they had a life-changing interaction with Jesus. So as adults, they would have connected to Jesus, and when they connected with Jesus, and they, they turn from their sin. The Bible uses the word repent. It means to turn from. So they turn from their sin. They turn to Christ. They experience the salvation of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. That was life-changing. Both sides adopted the Bible and said, we, we, we choose to believe that the Bible is the, the, the word of God, the story of God, the instruction of God, the reflection of the heart and the mind of God. They would have interacted with the Bible as a book that had authority, like this is the way that you should live, and then they would have interacted it with it like as a book of instruction. Oh, God said I, do, I shouldn't do that or I should do that, right? Because they didn't really have anything else to work with, and so they would just have interacted with it that way. And they also became a part of the church. So my my home was built on a love for Christ, a submission to like the direction and the definition of God through his word, and then the community of, of a church, things that they would not have necessarily grown up with. And in that community of the church, there were other loving adults that like loved me, and I didn't grow up in the healthiest of churches, but I grew up in a sincere one. So healthy adults that loved me, loved my mom and dad, helped them with it. And by introducing Christ, introducing the Bible, and introducing the church of Jesus into their lives, they changed the trajectory of my life. And the result of that is that in one generation, so mom and dad, they taught it to us, a generation later, Heidi and I's children and Heidi's brother's children and my siblings' children, that the one generation later, our children can literally not relate to the home that their grandparents were raised in. They have no concept of a violent home, no concept of, of a home that was defined uh, by, my children would have no concept of a home that was defined by addiction no concept of a Christless or a godless home. They wouldn't even know how to think about that. No concept of a chaotic home where our mom and dad are gonna stay together, we're not sure. Like, all of that is gone and removed from their life. And in one generation, because my parents yielded to Christ, embraced God's word, embraced his church, the cycles of dysfunction were shattered and Christ, Jesus, was embedded as a foundation. So from my mom and dad and Heidi's mom and dad forward, all the children and grandchildren are followers of Jesus. There is no violence, there is no addiction, there is no abandonment, and there is no hopelessness in one generation. In fact, I love this picture. So <clears throat> this summer, one of the things that uh, we got to do is uh, our nephew got married, my, uh, Heidi's brother's son got married, and so we went down for the wedding. Our nephew is very close to his cousins, which would be our boys. So when he was looking for groomsmen, he had all five of our boys in his wedding, plus his brothers, right? And, and then, our, our, of course, our daughter and others were there as well. But I snapped this picture. I love this picture. So this is, oh, man, 
This is the day of the wedding, and this is all of his cousins and his brothers laying hands on him, praying for him before he's married. Knox is his name. He married a beautiful girl, Lindsay. She's a sweetheart. They, they looked and said, we want a Jesus-centered wedding. We want a Jesus-centered marriage, right? So catch this. In a generation, my father, who was abandoned as a child, moved out when he was 16, took his younger siblings with him because he needed to raise them from his parents. My mother, whose father would come home and beat her mother and her brothers. Heidi's dad, whose family had dysfunction, her mom, who was raised in a, in a home of an alcoholic. In one generation, this is my father's grandsons and Heidi's dad's grandsons who are looking, in, in Heidi's dad's case, this is all of his grandsons who are praying over their cousin, walking into this phase of marriage with him, who love each other, support each other, one generation later. See, a cycle, a cycle is broken. A cycle is broken, okay? So broken that these boys cannot relate to how their grandfathers and grandmothers grew up. It's powerful, powerful. By the way, nobody told them to do that. That was their instinct. Because their grandparents introduced Christ, introduced the word of God, introduced the church. And so that's just what makes sense to them. See, you're gonna make, you're gonna make a covenant before the Lord? We should pray about that. <laughs> right? It's powerful, powerful thing. Okay. Now the reason I'm passionate about this is I know that he can do this for you. And I want him to do this for you. And I, I wanna show you how God can do this. I wanna give you hope, because there's many of you who say, I want to break a cycle. I'm trying to break a cycle. I set out to break the cycle. And, it, and you're struggling with it. So I wanna give you hope. And I want you to know that you can experience a freedom in Christ. Think about, man, think about when my father was 16, being unloved, being used, abused by his father. He takes his sisters with him. And then I look and I'm like, that's my 16 year old. He's free. See, he's free. And so I want that for you. And I, I wanna show you in scripture over the next few weeks, and we're gonna dig deep. Like I said, this week I'm, I'm, I'm opening this up and kinda laying this out for you. But I wanna show you from the scripture the hope of this and then the how-to of this, okay? Because I, I, want you to, I want you to experience that same thing in your life or for maybe you personally, maybe for your family personally, maybe you're walking friends. I want to show you how this works and how the power of Christ can alter like the, the family tree and change the lives around you, okay? Now, to get going with this, like I said, this is a little bit of a different weekend with this. To get going with this, I need to take you to a starting point. 
And this starting point is something that in order for, for, for our conversations the next few weeks to make sense, this is a starting point that we kind of have to agree on. Like if, if you come out this week and you're like, I don't agree with you, but you are attractive. Like if you, that happens a lot. Like if you come out this week and like, I don't agree with you, then like you're gonna disagree with me a bunch going forward, right? So this, this starting point is something that I want us to see, I want us to acknowledge, and, and we're gonna kind of have to gr- agree upon it in order for like the rest of the conversations to make sense because I think this starting point is undeniable. I think it's rooted in how God created us. And so we kind of have to get into like, this is how God created us as a human being and kind of work from there. Uh, this is a starting point that explains a lot about ourselves but excuses nothing. It's, there are reasons, there are not excuses. But it's a starting point that we need to go, we need to dig at for a minute. And then I'm gonna, at the end of, the, end of our time together, I'm gonna give you like a minute to kind of invite Christ into this, this place, okay? So here's the thing that we need to agree on as we get going. It's this statement right here. The statement right here. Your present is shaped by your past. Your present is shaped by your past, okay? Uh, There's a great book that I highly, highly recommend by an author, and it's called Live No Lies. And it talks a lot about this. There's another great book I highly recommend called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I recommend you, I would encourage you to get those books and listen to them or read them as we go through this. But one of the things that you'll find in that book, that this Live No Lies, is you'll find this statement, your present is shaped by your past. And if you're gonna break a cycle, if you're gonna allow God to, to work in you that way, you have to acknowledge that. That the way that I act today, the way that I think today, and the way that I interact relationally today is shaped by my, by my yesterday. The stress of, or the peace of your past affects your definition of what is normal. It affects your, literally affects your biology, the way that your brain works when your brain is traumatized. You think a, a different way, in a certain way. And it, and it affects your relationships. And nothing affects your present or your past more than your family of origin. So how you were raised, what happened while you were being raised, how your family interacted with that, or your lack of interaction with family of that, nothing affects your past more than your family of origin. And if you want to break a cycle, you have to get back to those roots and start to understand that and start to admit it a little bit. The health of your foundation, the perception of your foundation, and the reception of your foundation. Some of you would look and say, when I think about life, the very last person I ever wanna be like in my life is my dad. I hate that guy. That past shapes your present. There's others of us that would look and say, when I think about my hero in life, I think about my dad. That past shapes your present. There's others of us who would say, my dad was incredible, I wish I would have listened to him. Your past shapes your present. The health of that foundation, the perception of that foundation, and the reception of that foundation shapes shapes your present reality. And if we don't acknowledge that, our past, 
directly and consistently affects our present, then we're never gonna be able to identify the cycles in our life. And it is an incredibly important place to start with this, okay? So I have to acknowledge that my present is shaped by my past. The reason why that's so important, because you might look and say, are we in, are we in counseling or are we in church? What are we talking about? Why is that so important? Here it is, ready? The reason it's important to remember that your present is shaped by your past is this, because emotional health and spiritual health are connected. Emotional health and spiritual health are connected. Now you would say, Jeff, why are you saying that? Here's why I'm saying that. Because your spiritual interaction with God and with each other is relational. It's relational. My past shapes my present. It's shaping my relationships. And so how I learn to interact with my relationships back here, the wounds of my relationships, the pain of my relationships, the health of my relationships, the joy of my relationships, that relational input and DNA is shaping your present and it's shaping your relationship with God. So your emotional health and your spiritual health are connected. I didn't say you were trapped in your emotional health. I just said they're connected. And unless we acknowledge that what I was shaped by emotionally in my past affects how I perceive, how I receive, and how I interact with God, then we're never fully gonna get to the point that we're able to get to the root of the things that allow us to be free and break cycles. Uh, the author of Emotional Spiritual Health says this, he says it's impossible to be, to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So it's impossible. If I, am, if I am responding to, if I was wounded as a child and therefore I respond in anger, how do I become spiritually mature when I'm losing my mind with my family every time they upset me? If I grew up in deep poverty, so I become a person who hoards God's resources. I don't feel safe unless I have enough money around me. How do I ever live generously in a mature way as a Christ follower when I learn to put all my trust in money, I'm afraid of not having it. If I, if I grew up where I was abandoned as a child, how do I ever fully mature in my trust of God when I learn to not trust anybody? So emotional health and spiritual health are connected and I cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And without this foundation of my past affects my present, we tend to separate our present behavior from our emotional past and our emotional past from our current spiritual reality. Now this is, I'll give you an example of this. So uh, when I was, a, when I was um, a, a young kid, I had some pain in my past. I have a lot of pain in my past actually. Uh, so I have some abuse in my past, not by a family member, but by somebody close to my family. So I got some abuse in my past. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my, my dad got sick, my world fell apart, so I got that in my past. 
And so what I did from 12 year old on is I did this. I learned that if I could become angry, I didn't have to feel anything. So I would take all of my emotions and I would let them turn into anger. Now I didn't necessarily know I was doing this, it's just what I knew. I knew that if I could become angry, I could blame you for my problems, but, and I wouldn't have to really deal with them. It was just you were the problem in, in my life. And I, and I found that if I could lay a fist on you or crush your soul with my words, I didn't have to deal with what I felt, on, felt inside. So I grew up an angry person. And that's one thing when you're a child is a whole other thing when you're a teenager. So hair trigger temper, I'm gonna go after you, high sense of justice, and I'm gonna nail you, like that, that's what's gonna go on, okay? So I accept Jesus then, when I'm, when I'm a junior in college, I got this anger thing in me, but I accept Jesus. Now I care about the anger in me, and so I go about trying to deal with the anger that's in me, but I do it on a behavioral le- level. I have to quit losing my temper. I have to internalize, I can't just cuss you out, I gotta keep it on the inside. And I would be able to manage my behavior unless you put me in the right environment and then I couldn't manage my behavior anymore because that pain and that wound that drives that anger is always gonna flow out of me. And I might not yell at you, but on the inside, I'm still gonna blame you. I'm gonna tell you off of my mind and everything's gonna be your fault, okay? So that's junior college. Years later, I'm a 35-year-old person who's been a follower of Jesus now for you know 15 years or so, and I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for, uh, it was 17 years, I've been a pastor for 15 years. So I'm, I'm your pastor, I'm a pastor here at Grace Church, okay? Got my behavior under control. I haven't F-bombed anybody out loud in a long, long time, right? So I don't lose my temper a lot, although you push me in the lobby sometimes. Like, so, right, so like, it, that's kind of under control, and I think I'm, do, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, okay? My dad dies. My dad dies. And when my dad died, all of the grief, all of the wounds, all of the pain I went through in my childhood, all those scabs get ripped open. I'm an emotional mess but I'm kind of a grown up so I can kind of keep it together when I have to hold it together, right? So one night, I'm out in Wadsworth, Wadsworth, and I'm out there at Chipotle. I pull into Chipotle, Heidi and I always, you know we have six kids so we always drove like some version of an SUV. So I pull into this parking spot with this SUV I get out of the SUV and this guy starts to come at me. He's like, what the blankety blank blank is your problem? I'm like, what are you talking about? He, go, he goes, you almost ran me over. He's driving like a, you know, a matchbox car with a battery. Like he's driving that, right? And so he's like, you almost ran me over. And he, he's probably got all kinds of problems and he just took it out on me. So he starts to go off on me. I'm like, what is your problem? And he starts cussing me out and I triggered and I laid into this guy and I started to go after him. And I ripped him up one side and down the other because once the mouth starts, it doesn't shut off and it feels good. It feels good because I got all these emotions and this pain within me and, and I don't have to feel it because I can just kill this guy with my words. 
and I'm going after him. I'm about ready to get into a fist fight with this guy in the parking lot. He, he kind of got scared of me. I think he just saw like, he's, he's just crazy, I guess. I'm not that big, so he's like, he's just crazy, I guess. So he kind of quickly walks away from me, walks into the haircut place next to Chipotle. I followed him in there. And I am just laying into this guy. I'm kind of hoping that he would throw a punch at me. This is how I used to start fights. Just throw a punch at me so now I can just lay into you with everything in me, right? Now, somewhere in there, the Holy Spirit intervened. I came to my senses and I walked out and I thought, oh my goodness, this is humiliating. It's embarrassing. Can you imagine if I started a fight? The news coverage. And I'm like, my family, my wife, my family name, our church. Like, I'm out of control here. Okay? And it just happened. It just happened. Right? How many times have you said... I'm not doing that again, I promise. How many times have you said, like today's the new, from this day forward, I'm going to, and it can be anger, it can be alcohol, it can be cheeseburgers, it can be gossip, it can be, fill in your blank, okay? This is what happens. If I don't understand that all of this is connected then what I'll do is I'll separate my emotional past from my current spiritual reality. I'll look and I'll say, that guy started it. You start things, I finish things. That's what I'll do. And I will justify my sin. I will rationalize my sin. I will rationalize how I, you know, I had hatred in my heart. I will say it's not hatred, it's not this, it's not that, it was self, and I'll make all of my sin his fault. The only other thing I could possibly do is get that behavior, don't start fights in public. So I'll just go take it out on Heidi, I'll kick the cat, I'll wrap the weed eater around the tree, that happened too during that time. Right? I threw a lawnmower over a fence. Okay? Just, why? Why? Because you're, you're a raging hypocritic jerk. I'm like, I, didn't, I don't know why in that moment. Okay? And if I don't go back and say, when I was a 12-year-old boy, I learned to use anger to numb my feelings. You might use alcohol, you might use drugs, you might use donuts. I use anger. And I'm a 35-year-old pastor, father, who's acting like a 12-year-old. And for me to deal with this sin in my life, I have to go back and deal with that emotional pain in my life. See, it's connected. And the idea that I'm just gonna get over it, just gonna make it go away, it's connected. And it affects the way I respond, and it affects the way I react, and it affects the way that I, that I interact with the people around me.
Here's a great quote. Um, I forget who did this. This, uh, this is my favorite author. This guy's brilliant. You should read his stuff. Um, this is a quote he says from one of his books. <laughs> so I say this all the time. Never think of your relationship with God outside of, your relationship, uh, outside of relational terms. So never think of your relationship with God outside of relational terms. And what happens is this. When I think that this book is an academic book, I'm wrong. When I think that this is an instructional, instructional book, basic instructions before leaving earth, I'm wrong. When I think it's an old sacred uh, religious text, I'm wrong. What this book is, is this is a relational book. It is the heart and the mind of God expressed through his words and his record so that we can know him and interact with him. And if I can't think of God or understand that God is a loving father who is speaking to me in a loving way, I don't even know how to interact with his word. Because my relationship with God is a relationship. And my past shapes my present. And if I have wounds back here, I will interpret this relationship with God incorrectly. It affects everything. Let me show you how this works. Here is, uh, here's one of the most uh, powerful and wonderful verses in the whole Bible, Psalm 68. So talking about God, the psalmist is talking about God. He says this, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land, okay? Now, your past shapes your present and your emotional wounds are tied to your spiritual interaction because your relationship with God is a relationship, so you interpret it relationally. So knowing that, if I deny that, then I won't even be able to hear from God. So let me show you how this works. Some of us had wonderful fathers. I had a wonderful father. He was a cycle breaker. Wonderful father. So when I read this verse, what I read is this. God is a father to the fatherless. Woo! Father. My father is a father. And my father was a father. In fact, he was a father to the fatherless. My father raised two of my cousins. They grew up with us. He's a father to the, I watched that happen. My dad was everybody's dad. My mom was everybody's mom, right? There was one lady in our church that my mom was such a mom that she would bring her kid to my mom so my mom could spank her kid. <laughs> That's just the way that I'm like, woo, father of the father, defender of the woods. My father, if you, if something was unjust, my father would step in between whoever and whatever was unjust and he would defend them. And that's only if he could beat my mother to it. You, you ever, my mom was the kindest lady in the world. You talk bad or interact with her children, you better run and call 911 because she's coming for you. She was a defender, right? Dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. I, when I think about this, I'm like, you know when I am the least lonely is when I'm with my family. Somebody asked me one time, what's your favorite place on earth? I said, wherever my family is. I am never lonely in my family. My, my brother and my sisters and I get together 
I can't wait for that to happen. Same thing with my own children. So I'm like, ooh, that's amazing. Sets the prisoners free, gives them joy, and he makes a rebellious live in a sun-scorched earth. I'm like, boy, that's just a hard fact because my dad was also a just dad, and if you did something wrong, there were consequences. I'm like, yep, there's consequences because I had a loving father. I have a healthy family of origin, I interpret life from that place and I interpret God through it. It shapes my present reality. Ready? All you gotta do is change the math. If your dad checked out on you, God's a father to the fatherless. Huh, it's really interesting. I know a lot about fatherless I know a lot about fatherless. Um, The person I trust the least in my life is somebody named dad. And you're saying that's God? Yeah. He's a defender of the widows. Nobody ever defended me. I was in pain. I was being abused. I was being hurt. Nobody came to my rescue. I even told them They told me to keep it a secret. Ain't nobody defending me. His dwelling is holy. My dad's the one that introduced pornography to me. I learned to smoke pot with my dad. He gave me my first drink. There's no holiness in my home. God places them in the lonely in families. My whole life is lonely. My family is still the loneliest place that I I dread. See? Prisoner's free. I'm the prisoner. I prayed my whole life that God would change it, and nothing changed. I I was trapped in my family, in my trauma, in my pain. But he made the rebellious live in sun scorched earth. Well, he certainly didn't scorch dad. Certainly didn't scorch mom. Didn't scorch uncle. Didn't scorch <laughs> just God. See, your, your emotional wounds shape your relational grid. And never think of God outside of a relational term Now, I'm interpreting God through this. And you just play the scenario. If you were abused or you were abandoned, God's a father to the fatherless. You know what? I don't deserve a father. I'm I'm full of shame from what I did. I don't deserve a father. Defender of the widows. Yeah, I'm not worth defending. What I've done... I'm worth being thrown away. I'm lonely, but I I deserve to sit outside the window of the family of God and look in. They wouldn't want me. I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm the one who lived the rebellious life and I deserve the sun scorched land. So all the things that have gone wrong, all the relationships that are broken, all the cycles I can't break, yeah, I got it coming. God doesn't want to free me. He, he doesn't, he, I shouldn't be freed. What, what he should do, he should pour every consequence he can think of and more on me. And your 
past shapes your present and it shapes your relational grid and that's how you would interact and think about how, how God is. You would, literally, you would literally read the Bible that way. And you come to church and if I said, guys, if you don't repent of your sin and turn to God, there's gonna be consequences. Some of you are like, yeah, I deserve them. Some, if I said, God is a loving father, he's a good, good father, that's the last relationship that I want. And then for some of us, it's like, God's like your dad. Ah, oh, my dad, my mom, they were great. Okay? Your past shapes your present. It, it, it's like this undeniable fact. And God created us that way. You're not broken. You're not messed up. We're built that way. And those patterns shape us so deeply so that, that our emotions, our emotional health, our spiritual health, see, they're connected together. And, and the, the key to cycle breaking is this. Mom and dad on both sides, Heidi's and mine, they made a fundamental decision. And this decision was incredibly hard. And the decision they made was this. We are going to decide that God's word is God's word. So this is the authority, this is the truth, it, like we're gonna go with it. And then we're gonna have to decide that we're gonna allow Jesus to stand on his own merits because I can't see it correctly. I, this pain, trauma, I, I can't, I'm gonna, so I'm just gonna have to let this be what this is. And I'm gonna have to follow Jesus based off of his character, not the character of people who were supposed to help him make sense to me. See, if you had a healthy relationship with your mom and dad and it was Christ-centered, Praise God. It is so much easier for me because when I think about a father to the father, I'm like, yeah, Clarence did that all the time. I never knew who dad was bringing home with him. That's the way it's supposed to be. But when that's hurt or damaged or broken, it takes a greater faith. And mom and dad, my mom and dad, and Heidi's mom and dad, embrace that faith and they put their faith in Jesus Christ and they put their faith in his word and then they surrounded themselves with people of faith who were pushing each other, helping each other go on the same journey that they were trying to go on. That's why at church, that's why church is, is filled up with so many dysfunctional people. Like, I know you guys. You're a mess, right? Well, why would we be together? Because it's just, it's just looking and saying, yeah, I really don't know. Let's learn, and then will you help me, and I'll help you, and, and it's the family of God helping us to be godly as we go forward. It's got nothing to do with self-righteousness got nothing to do with perfection. It's actually got to do with the admission of the exact opposite. And when we agree 
that our past shapes our present and our present is kind of how we interpret God, that our emotional health and our spiritual health is connected, then we can open ourselves up to allowing God to begin to change us. Favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And this is what Peter writes. He's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And then this famous statement, by his wounds you are healed. And guys, what I want you to know is I want you to know that God can heal you. He can break these cycles. He wants to change you. And I want us to go on a journey and we're gonna dig deep into God's word and we're gonna talk about, like next week I'm gonna talk about how sin ingrains itself into the family tree. How come my grandpa had a temper and my dad had a temper and I got it? How come there's addiction in the family? It ingrains itself in the family tree. How do you break that cycle? We're gonna talk about getting to the root of it. There's lies that we believe along the way. There's a reason why you struggle with addiction and you struggle with materialism and you struggle with insecurity and you struggle, because we pick up these lies along the way. And they're not from God, they're from the evil one, but we've believed them. And so we'll talk about that and how to root those things out. We'll talk about allowing pain to dislodge you from patterns. Pain is not always negative. Sometimes it's the greatest gift God gives us. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about choices that set you free. We'll talk about discovering the hidden alternative God has woven into your story. You may have all kinds of pain in your story, but you also have all kinds of grace, all kinds of joy, and all kinds of things that make you uniquely you, placed there by the same God. And then we'll start talking about living day to day as a cycle breaker. All of those conversations are based off of these basic concepts. My past shapes my present. My emotional health and my spiritual health are connected, so I interpret my relationship with God through all of that. I can't help it, it's the way God designed me. I am responsible for my sin, but I'm not going to be free from it until I understand why it's, the Bible calls it a foothold in my life. Why is that unique to me? And the only way for me to escape it is by the healer who brings me salvation, who has already paid for your sin, has already defeated death, has already, if you're a Christ follower, he's already giving you everything you need for life and godliness. So this is not about behaviors. Stop it, get your burn control. This is about allowing the healer to come and bring real healing to the source of the cycle. And inviting and allowing the power of God to do that powerful work in your life. And you can be set free. How do you know, Jeff? Because I know how I did not grow up. And I know how my daddy did. And my mama did. And I know how Heidi did not grow up. And I know how her daddy did and her mama did. And I know what my children cannot relate to. 
because we are recipients of people who broke cycles and gave us a different foundation, right? You know how you get weeds in a garden? You know, yeah, you're, like your flower garden will get weeds. There's two ways to get rid of weeds, right? One is the Jeff Bogue method, which is to go into the flower garden with a weed eater and cut the weeds down. And sure, you sacrifice a flower or two <laughs> along the way, but it's quick, it's easy, it makes it go away, right? What's wrong with that method? It's still there. The other method is to go and pull it out by the, the root. Jesus saves us by his wounds and he pulls sin out by the root. This isn't mowing under. I promise I won't lose my temper again. I promise I'll stop drinking. I'm gonna lose weight this time. I have to stop. This is inviting Christ to those sources and Jesus freeing us, breaking the cycle, right? All right, I wanna do something with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me and the band's gonna, the band's gonna pop out here. And I just want us to, I want to kind of give you a visual and I want you to think about something. So just kind of, I want you to imagine something a little bit. I want you to imagine that you have like this sin that has taken root, this cycle, this habit, this addiction, just you fill in your blank, okay? And I want you to think about the part of your life that is the most frustrating, the most defined by sin, maybe the most painful, okay? And I want you to take a minute, I want you to pray something. Get that kind of image in your mind, it's my anger, it's my sex addiction, it's, you know, it's whatever it is. I want you to ask God through his Holy Spirit to take you back to the source of that. Jesus, what's the source of me believing that the only way for me to be loved is to give my body away? What's the, when, when did I take the first drink and it clicked in me? Why am I afraid to trust you with money? When did I first start living a fearful life? You just ask God, whatever it is. start thinking about the source of that, I want you to kind of imagine like you found the, the root of it all, right? And you have hit that with the weed whacker, you've mowed that under, you've... 
And I want you to think about inviting Jesus to that place. Instead of hiding it from him, denying that it exists, just kind of in, even if it's embarrassing, if it feels like shame, like just invite Jesus to that place. And then I want you just to start to pray. It's not, it's not all gonna go away this weekend. But would you just invite Jesus to that place and just pray, Jesus, would you free me? Would you heal me? Would you pull this out of my life? Jesus, sometimes I think when we deal with our brokenness, our sin, the things we feel trapped in, we do that from a place of shame. We're just embarrassed, we're frustrated, we, we know it's wrong. And Jesus, somehow through the power of your word and your heart and your spirit, would you help us begin to deal with that from a point of trust? You know and you have chosen to love us. You have defeated sin. You have given victory. We, we if we're your follower, through your spirit, have everything that we need. And God, would you just this weekend start to change like the paradigm of our prayers where we're inviting you to that place instead of hiding that place from you. God, in these still moments, would, would you just start to help us embrace and trust the healing that you died and rose again to give us?